What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the final four is not on the schedule. He is Rod, I am Cameron, uh, and we're back to preview the Penn State Nittany Lions. Um, that Michigan State will be traveling traveling to. Uh, they wind up nine and twelve overall now, um, four and eight in the conference. Um, although they are in a three game losing streak lost six of the last seven um but they are seven and four at home um and michigan state obviously got the win in the first one against them fairly handily 80 to 64 um again first year for mike Shrew- uh micah shrewsbury um who'd spent time at purdue butler celtics um what are you looking at coming into into this one rod well, you know, it's if you're we're, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, and if uh, if you've been paying attention to the Big Ten this year, and it's been in evidence again today, uh, don't get fooled by records like that <laughs> stuff. I mean, just earlier today, Purdue beat Maryland by one at home. Maryland playing without Eric Ayala. Um, I'm watching Northwestern giving Illinois everything they want in Champaign. Uh, point being, you can't relax. You can't take for granted any game. Michigan State should have seen this, obviously, you know, losing to Northwestern at home. Uh, they've had their experiences with that, losing to Wisconsin at home, obviously a, a solid opponent, but a game you think you ought to win mm-hmm. going in. So the fact that you're going on the road, it's a Penn State team that has lost six of seven, as you said, and what that means is you're you're dealing with a level of desperation with them. Now they they're not playing for the tournament, you know. They're what I think they're ninety third in the net, eighty eighth yeah. in Ken Palm. So they're this is not like Rutgers, who was actually just starting to get themselves maybe on the verge with a few more upsets. <laughs> of actually being in the tournament conversation, which I did not think was possible. Penn State's not in that position. Their their year is going to end in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, but um, it's about pride. It's about a coach trying to establish his program, his uh, his standards. You know how they're how they're going to play, what they're going to be. And Penn State has been pretty competitive this year. You know the record. Mm-hmm isn't stunningly great, especially lately, but uh, for a team that, that looked to be short some talent and at times still looks that way, they've, they've found ways. I, I think of them in a very similar vein to the other team in the league with a new coach of uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Um, where they don't play very many people. They're kind of, you know, they've got some transfers in key spots and, and they're kind of just having to to slug it out and um, you know keep games lower possession to try to figure out a way to win. And they're just good enough to do that on occasion. So 
you know, they're all dangerous games. As I said, there's there's no easy gimme game left mm-hmm. on the schedule. It's just not how it's going to be. So um, Michigan State's going to have to play well, and I think in particular they're going to have to they're going to have to continue to do the things they did in the win over Indiana. Mm-hmm. That's what it's going to take. Energy wise, toughness wise, purpose wise, that's going to have to happen. Uh, you'd mentioned they don't play very many guys. They're 310 in bench minutes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Most of their, their five guys starting 26 minutes or more um, for those guys. Other than, well, they've got other than one they've, but, but then to, to counter that, they've got a guy who's playing almost 29 minutes a game coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. So it, it really is. Yeah. It's five iron men. And then they've kind of played around, you know, they've right now they've got a guy starting who was barely playing. I mean, barely playing uh-huh. early in the season. Um, now uh, we've got um, guys who was starting against, who did start, I believe against Michigan state, who's barely didn't play against Minnesota mm-hmm. and it wasn't because of injury. He just didn't play. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's tough. Uh, they're, they've really been struggling on offense. So 128th, and adjusted to offensive efficiency. Um, and really, a, turnovers have been a big problem. 19 of the percent of their possessions end in turnover. 223rd nationally in turnover percentage. Uh, they're mediocre against, uh, you know, at, mediocre at three, 33.5%. Um, they don't particularly offensive rebound very well at 156. Um and they struggled to get to the line, 342 in the country in free throw attempts. And 335 in free throw percentage. <laughs> so yeah. it's been a real struggle for them. That's the big problem because the one thing they do pretty well is shoot free throws. Like the percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not as good as MSU, who I, I wanted to bring. I might as well, this is as good a point as any to bring it up. Michigan State, after that performance against Indiana, and I saw this stat on Twitter uh, in the Ken Palm era, going back to 2001, 2002, where Michigan State stands right now would be the third best season shooting free throws a team has had in the Big Ten over that time. In wow. Big Ten games, I should say. In Big Ten uh, games. MSU is at 81, I think 81.5% in conference games, and they're at almost 77% overall. So that's turned into a real strength. Penn State's not quite that good, but they're reasonably good. The difference between the two teams is Michigan State, for only the third time in the last 20 years, Mm -hmm. is in the top 100 in free throw attempts divided by field goal attempts and percentage of points scored by free throws, which are together pretty good measurements of how often you're getting to the line doing damage against opponents from the free throw line. So MSU has really um, maximized what it has uh, by virtue of getting to the line a lot and then cashing in when they do Penn state shoots it. Well, they don't get there like ever. So. Hmm. Uh, The defense is a little bit better. 54th overall. Um, and they do a pretty decent job on the defensive board, 61st there. 
Um, but two point defense is really where they've they've shined. Twenty third in the country in two point defense. Um, yeah, and it's interesting because this is a team that really doesn't have much size, and the size they've got, Harar, is a good positional defender, but uh, he's not a rim protector really. So it's it's pretty remarkable they've been that good, but they are. They're a really good two point defense team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they don't generate a whole lot of turnovers. Uh, they don't protect the rim really, um, and they're they do have some vulnerabilities from the three point line. Yeah, and that's that's a big when a team is that good against twos. That that's a big deal. That you know that was kind of the case coming in against Indiana, and then it, it didn't end up mattering so much. MSU was okay from three, but you know the the real way MSU was able to make their bones in that game was by causing fouls getting to the line um penn state is a little better than they were earlier in the season at preventing two-point attempts or three-point attempts rather but they're still giving up a, a good percentage to opponents a decent percentage so i think you know against a michigan state team that's still a top 10 team shooting from three uh that's that's something to watch for mm-hmm. uh so we look at their starters jalen pickett um six four senior transfer from siena uh, averaging 12.8 points a game, 39 from the floor, 29 from three, 77 from the line. Um, he leads them in assists at four per game, better than the two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. And he grabs them almost four boards a game as well, too. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm torn in terms of how I feel about Pickett because on the one hand, when they lost those three guards that hit the portal, Myron Jones, uh, Isaiah Brockington, who's a Naismith Award nominee, like the final list, which is wow. shocking to me. Uh, he was okay at Penn State, but he wasn't that. And then Jamari Wheeler, who's at Penn State or at Ohio State, rather, uh, that was a lot to lose. And so it was critical they get somebody who could actually play these minutes competitively, right? Mm-hmm. And Pickett has done that. He's their second leading scorer. He's been a solid enough playmaker, you know, um, as you said, rebounds a little bit, decent defensive player. There's a lot to like about him, but the three point shooting really has been a limiter. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a guy who never shot below 35% at Siena and he can't, he hasn't cracked 30 this year. And for a guy who's as heavily involved in their offense, it'd be one thing if he was, you know, a, a pass-first point guard, that's really all you were asking him to do was run the offense, get the ball to other people, and get an occasional bucket. That's not the case. He's taking, I believe it's a little more than five attempts yeah. per game. That's, you got to be better. I mean, at that <laughs> point, that starts, you know, if you're shooting that poorly, maybe you need to ratchet the attempts down mm. and try to figure out how to impact games in another way. But in any event, uh you know, I, I think on the scale of mid-major guys transferring to a Big Ten program, he's on the higher end of the scale just because there's <laughs> that tends to be a very difficult situation, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't think he's been as good a shooter as they probably hoped he would be or they needed him to be. Yeah. Uh, and then Dalian Johnson, six foot three sophomore, um, who's been limited really over the season. He's only got 10.5 minutes per game, but 
over the last two, he's combined for 45 minutes. Um, and he, that brings his average up 2.6 points per game, 36 from the floor, 39 from three, and 100% from the line. Limited volume, but he's taken 13 threes. Or he's made so, 13 threes. Or made 13 threes, you're right. So, yeah, that, that shows that there's um, – you know, there's the potential for him, and I think the reason he's playing more lately is they got to get some more offense. And mm-hmm. if you've got a guy who's demonstrating, and it's still lowish volume, but he's 13 for 33 on the year. It's enough. You know, guys like Tyson Walker haven't shot that many more threes than mm-hmm. he has on the season, and we're all saying take more shots, take more shots. <laughs> so it's it's enough to say, well, that's not fluky. The kid can probably shoot. Penn State, th- this is the spot that's been yanked around all year long as Shrewsbury has tried to find a combination that works. And and I think he settled on the idea that he doesn't want to start Sam Sessom. Sam Sessoms is a guy who comes off their bench but plays almost 29 minutes. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to find that fifth guy. And Johnson is getting a crack at it lately. And you know, he played 32 minutes in their last game where they lost to Minnesota. So, obviously, he's doing something to gain some trust. So, I'm assuming he's going to be the starter in this one. Yeah. Uh, and then Miles Dredd, 6'5", senior, um, only averaging 6.4 points a game, um, 38 from the floor, 39 from 375 uh, from the line. Um, but almost all of his attempts, but 15, have come from three. Yeah, and that's and that's fine because they need you know they need shooting. The thing I can't figure out. I mean, Miles Dredd is a long-term guy. He's played a lot of basketball for Penn State over four years. Yeah, and he's obviously a solid to good shooter. I don't understand why he's only, um, why he's only. Uh, scoring less than seven points a game. What that says is he's not getting enough attempts up, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know why I, 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 when I watch Penn state, he just doesn't. And this was a guy I didn't ever think of as well. He's shot shy. He's not hunting shots. I, I never thought of him that way. So I, I don't know. It's hard to figure out, but they could use him being more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Seth Lundy, six, six junior, um, really has become their best player. Uh, he leads them in scoring 12.9 points a game, 42 from the floor, 36 from three, 85 from the line, uh, and his third in rebounding with five and a half a game. Yeah, he's he's developed into, I think, a uh, if, if he was playing for Tom Izzo, I think Tom Izzo would be calling him a poor man's Lamar Stevens. Not a poor, poor, poor man's Lamar Stevens. We'll just go with one poor. He's not <laughs> quite as productive. He's not the, quite the rebounder Lamar Stevens was. He's not quite taking as many shots, scoring enough. On the other hand, he's a much better shooter than Lamar Stevens was. But he reminds me of him a little bit in terms of the the versatility, the size. You know, he's an undersized four man who can handle that position. And you know, he's he's become a nice player. Mm-hmm. So he's a guy that doesn't, you know, obviously because Penn State is not a glamour team and they're not having a great year, uh, nobody talks about him, but he's a he's a good player. You know, he'd fit in with any team in this conference yeah, and, and be a, a factor for them, you know. 
Uh, and then down low, they got Harar, um, six foot nine senior, uh, who entered the portal, decided to return, um, and then he's averaging ten point three points a game, six point or sixty five percent from the floor, um, and he's improved his free throw shooting um, percentage up to sixty seven percent, up ten percent from when they saw him uh, the first time around. Yeah, and and he's almost a double digit a game rebounder. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just a good, he's a good, solid big man, not a star, you know, in a league, in a league that, um, has a lot of star big men. You don't put her R in the same sentence as Coburn and the two kids at Purdue or Dickinson or Liddell, you know, those are the upper tier guys. But, but I think her R belongs in the conversation with guys like Bingham, um, maybe Eric Curry at Minnesota. Uh, you know, a few other guys who are that next tier big, big, big man play in the, in the league. The last two years has been really high caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's funny how it goes that way in, um, in cycles, you know, there were years where it wasn't very good. And, uh, and, and now, you know, and, and years where the big 10 was just loaded with great point guard play, not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we're a league where you might struggle to find one true point guard who's worthy of being an all-conference level guy. Uh, but we've got a ton of big men. Yeah. So he's a guy who I think quietly, again, it's hard to do anything that makes a lot of noise at Penn State. But uh, quietly, he's had a really nice last couple of years there. Last year he was good, and he's good again now. And he's... He's going to be a load. He's a guy who's given the last couple of years. He's given Michigan State problems. Yeah, yeah, he has. He's strong. He's a big body. He knows how to use his body to create space. Plays within himself. Knows exactly who he is as a basketball player. Doesn't try to doesn't try to shoot threes. Doesn't try to face people up and take them off the dribble. Any nonsense like that. He just gets in the post, plays his game, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, he'll be a handful. Uh, and then coming off the bench, Sam Sessoms, um, he doesn't start, but he averages 29 minutes per game. Um, so he's a, a six-foot senior, uh, averaging 11.8 points a game, 47, 42, and 76 shooting. Yeah, he's their best shooter. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy, and I think that's why they're playing him off the bench. If, uh, I would assume Shrewsbury feels like he needs to have a card to play, somebody who can come in and get the energy up, give them an instant offense off the bench. And, and Sessoms is a guy who's capable of doing those things. Um, just I mean, not a, his the turnover problem is, problems yeah, are that's unbelievable. What I say. 62 that's assists what I was to 52 say. turnovers. Yeah. It's been a problem all year long. You know, I think they'd love to be able to have him at least help at the point. And he does play the point sometimes, but just with such horrible efficiency that it kills him. Um, he's just not a point guard. I mean, that's, you can't, you can't say it any more clearly than that. Uh, but he is a scorer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jelani White, six, eight senior transfer from Kinesis, um, 2.8 points per game, 51 from the floor, 13 from three seventy from the line. Uh, he is pulling in 3.1 rebounds in about 13 minutes. He's a big body mm-hmm. and they need, they need because they're they're a woefully undersized team. I mean, it's Harar and that's it basically. Yeah. You know, Lundy Lundy plays decently big considering his height, but 
Uh, he's not a real big man, and you know they need they need whatever size they can muster off that bench. So White's part of it. Yeah, and Greg Lee's out indefinitely, so they need that's him. really hurt them. That's really hurt them because Greg Lee was really playing well, the six mm-hmm. nine transfer from Western Michigan. Uh, I, I can't recall. I, I can't recall if he saw the floor against Michigan State in the first game. That might have been his first game back, uh, but he had really started to play well for mm-hmm. that team. Gave them another element, some some actual length. And man, it just uh, yeah has uh, it, it, not having him has been a blow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had 15 minutes in the first one, five yeah. points. I think that was his first game back. He'd been hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then then you got Giovanni Scott, 6'7", 250-pound junior JUCO transfer. Um, he's played a little bit more lately with Greg Levy now, um, but seven minutes per game, uh, six games he's played, 1.8 points, 1.8 rebounds. Yeah, and again, he's playing because Lee's out, you know, and, and they need somebody to play those minutes, and – He's got some bulk to him, so, you know, yep. it's it's as simple as that, but obviously has not been a tremendously productive player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jaheim Cornwall, six-foot senior transfer from Gardner-Webb, um, still averaging 18 minutes a game, but he's scoring 2.7 points, uh, 23 from the floor, 17 from three, and 87 from the line. Well, as I'm... I mentioned a few minutes ago with Johnson, they're, they're trying to find an answer for that spot in their rotation, that position. And this was the guy who had it when MSU saw them the first time. Mm-hmm. But you look at those shooting numbers and, and look, if you can bring other things to the table, that's great. But as an off guard, it's pretty tough to justify playing a guy who's sub 20% from three <laughs> heavy minutes. Yeah. Unless he's a really exceptional player. Like he's just, He's just a terror getting to the rim, you know, lockdown defender, doesn't take many shots, et cetera. But this team needs a guy to chip in a little bit at that spot. And so I think that's the, a reason why his minutes have shrunk. You know, it's it's just a weird thing to see guys go from being starters. And fa- he was a fairly heavy minute guy. I look back, heading into the first game at that point, he was playing 21 minutes a game. Wow. All right. Man. He didn't play against Minnesota in their last game. That's how much it's changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we, if we look at the keys, Rod, transition, uh, the first round uh, MSU played them, they had a really good transition uh, effort that time. 31 fast break points in the first one, uh, which was a little surprising given Shrewsbury's you know, knowledge of the Big Ten and everything. Yeah, it was shocking to me because this is a guy – First of all, he coached with with um, uh, Brad Stevens all those years at Butler and then the NBA with the Celtics, but especially Butler. Butler was a team that just ran a defensive clinic at the collegiate level um, and very much played that slow-down style, which part of which incorporates not getting beaten transition, floor balance, you know. And then he coached under Matt Painter, who has also generally been very, very good at denying teams the opportunity to get in transition. In fact, I've, I've felt for the last however many years, Purdue has been the standard in the Big Ten for 
denying outlet passes when Michigan State is trying to get on its break. Mm-hmm. They've been as good as anybody, in my opinion, in terms of doing that. So Shrewsbury has been with these guys. He knows the deal, and he certainly would, could not have been surprised by what Michigan State did, but they just got shredded. Mm-hmm. It was shocking to me. It was the one thing I thought we'd see them do, and they didn't do it. So do I think that's going to repeat? I'd be surprised. I can't imagine he's going to let that happen again. But uh, at the same time, if you're Michigan State, I think you have to try. Yeah. I think you have to you have to press the issue and make them get back, make them stop you. Uh, so the second key threes um, we mentioned PS or uh, uh, Penn State's great um, inside the arc, but they do give up some threes and MSU's. Ninth in the country in three-point percentage. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's become a consistent key. I, I think, you know, the Indiana game was surprising because Michigan State got to the line so much. They actually did a pretty decent job defending the two mm-hmm. against Michigan State. It's not like Michigan State made a living inside the arc. MSU was only 7 for 20 in the game from 3. But, you know, I say only. That's not a terrible performance. It's just slightly under a very, very strong clip that they've averaged this year. I think that it would be tough for me to imagine winning this game if Michigan State doesn't get some three-point production. I don't don't believe they've got to go out and just shoot the lights out, but I think they've got to be good. Mm -hmm. That's where the chances are going to come from. Yeah. Uh, and then energy. Well, look, <laughs> it had been lacking in two straight losses, and then it was in ample evidence in a win over Indiana. So I think pretty clearly, if if this team didn't know beforehand, they've got to realize it now. They're a good team, and they're going to be very tough to beat when they play with that kind of toughness, that kind of energy, that kind of fight, and that kind of purpose. It all goes hand in hand. It's not all just about, oh, go out there and flex. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're talking about. But it's playing hard, being as competitive as you can be, you know, being first to loose balls, um, getting on the floor, Running, running the offense with a purpose, making your cuts harder, making sure your picks are precise and hard. These are the things that are going to lead to success if you're Michigan State. Michigan State is, I think, a team that has the potential to be very, very good. Great? I, I don't know. But very, very good. We've seen it at times this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying that. But this is not a team that has so much talent. Very few are at this level. But Michigan State this year definitely is not one of them that has so much talent that they can just roll it out there and and half-step their way to wins. Mm-hmm. They need to be at a competitive boil. you know. And if they are, when they play that way, hey, they can play with anybody. Mm-hmm. Certainly, anybody in this league. Yeah, and that kind of brings us to the the fourth key that's been the Achilles' heel, really, of this team: the rebounding, especially on the defensive yeah. glass. 
because they're now outside of the top 100. Uh, yeah, I think they're 111th. Yeah, and yeah. we're looking at a team that's 11th in the country in height. <laughs> you know, but that and and who earlier this season, in November and December. I think was doing a reasonably good job. They weren't world beaters there, but it was not like it's been. Mm-hmm. This has just been a consistent problem. I mean, we're talking about a game against Indiana, not a, another team, not a great team offensive rebounding wise this season. And we're feeling pretty good about a game where MSU basically grabbed about 70% of the defensive rebounds that were available. That's not a disastrous number, but, Historically, that is not even close to something you would celebrate mm-hmm. if you're Michigan State. And it felt like you came away from that game and said, oh, they did pretty well. Well, by most program standards, they were okay. But this is a program that's been built on rebounding. Mm-hmm. And it's been a year-long struggle. And again, it, playing a team like Penn State, you want to give a less talented team that you ought to beat an opportunity to hang in there against you, just go out and let them get second and third chances consistently and watch what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cause outside of Harar, they're not really that big. I mean, their wings are no. you know, six, three, six foot, uh, you know, <laughs> six, four. Right. but they're competitive. You know, they're, they're an okay team. They're a mediocre team rather than a bad team mm-hmm. on the offensive boards. And part of the reason for that is, and it goes back to that that bit about you know energy and toughness and all that. I'll say the same thing I said about Indiana. Penn State's got a lot of flaws, but that one thing I know they're going to do is they're going to come out and they're going to compete. They're going to play very very hard, and that manifests on the offensive glass. And so Michigan State has got to compete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then turnovers is the fifth key. Well, you know. <laughs> We, we have all the old bits, you know, and and both of these teams really struggle in that area. So I would say if either has a distinct advantage, that could be part of what leads to a win mm-hmm. for the team that has the advantage. Going into it, you wouldn't expect there to be a big gap. You'd expect both of them would be well into double digits in turnovers. If one of them isn't or if one team is just really crazy with it, goes out and, you know, commits 20, Mm -hmm. um, that could be a problem. But, you know, if you're Michigan State, again, you you want the turnover gap and the rebounding gap to, to leave you pretty even in terms of scoring opportunities. When they, when they aren't able to do that, which has happened way too frequently this season, that's where they get into trouble. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, this one's, um, 6.30 on Tuesday. Yeah, early start on Tuesday, 6.30. Any you know, final thoughts heading into this one? I, you know, I think it's the same message as you know, we had going into the Indiana game. You know, you you need to be looking at every game as an opportunity to get better trying to peak at the right time. Mm-hmm. That's where Michigan State season is at. You know, the Big Ten race – it's something that, of course, means a lot to them, means a lot to Izzo. But right now, you know, even though they're in it, they're game, they're game out in a loss come. And they, and they get that team who's ahead of them in their building, mm-hmm. you know. So on that basis, you say, well, Michigan State's still got everything to play for. They do. But 
I think with with the where this team had been, you can't really look at it that way. You, I think you have to look at it as every game's an opportunity to just move that ball down the field a little bit further. You know, like the old D'Antonio line about it's you know a game of inches, and you want to make you want to gain those incremental inches along the way. And I think if I were Michigan State, that's how I would be looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. You played pretty well against Indiana, not spectacularly. You know, MSU didn't play its A game by any means against Indiana. They could shoot better. I hope to God they're capable of rebounding better. They still had 15 turnovers. So they weren't perfect by any stretch. But because they did some things that had been lacking lately very well in that game, namely the energy they played with uh, and the way they attacked the game, they won comfortably. So that's the standard now. Can you move into the next game and match that standard again? Because now you don't have your home crowd. So it's on the road. That building is usually pretty dead. Um, So you don't expect a lot of energy either way. You have to manufacture your own energy, your own emotion. Can they do that? Mm -hmm. You know, I think we're going to see probably the – I can't imagine the starting lineup will be any different. Um, They're going to go with A.J. And that definitely, for one game at least – produce the kind of result that you would have wanted if you're Tom Ezzo because AJ played extremely well and Tyson Walker played extremely well. Yeah. And so you want to go out hoping that you get that again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll leave it at that and get the gamer up after that one uh, on Tuesday. Until then, the final four is not on the schedule. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.